to come out and say to anyone in this world, no matter who they may be, Christ died for you. And he is the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours alone, but also for the whole world. 1 John 2, verse 2. What is propitiation? Did Christ die for the elect only, or did he die for the whole world? Here on the Bible Truth Podcast, over the next two segments, Bill Prost will take us through the two aspects of the work of Christ, beginning today with propitiation. If you have any questions on this topic or on what we have covered in the past, please contact us at info at BibleTruthPodcast.com. Well, welcome back to the Bible Truth Podcast. Today we'll be taking up the first of two aspects of the work of Christ on the cross, called propitiation. So, Brother Bill, whenever you're ready, please go ahead and get started. Thank you very much, Josh. Today, we would like to talk about the subject of propitiation. That is rather a big word, and it only occurs a few times in the King James Bible, I think three to be exact, once in the book of Romans and twice in the book of First John. But it is an important thing to realize. In the Old Testament, we many times have the word atonement. An important word, and it means to cover. However, we must realize that in that sense, sin was only covered in the Old Testament, not totally put away. I'm not aware that the word atonement actually occurs in the New Testament. It is there once in our King James translation, but more accurately, it should read reconciliation. This is because the work of Christ has completely taken away sin. However, we must distinguish between God being satisfied with the work of Christ as dealing with the wrong done to him in the sin in this world. I repeat, we must distinguish between this and God's taking away the sins, plural, of an individual. Propitiation really means to remove the wrong done to an individual, either by me or by someone else. But it means to make something right with a person who has been wronged. In this particular context, as we have already noted, God has been insulted and wronged simply by the introduction of sin into this world. It has spoiled everything. It has not only spoiled mankind, but it has spoiled God's creation in every way. This aspect of the work of Christ 
was necessary in order to make that wrong right. And so, for example, and we can turn to it for a moment, we get a scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6. It there says, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ in the previous verse, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Then if we were to go back to the book of Matthew to verse 28 of chapter 20, we would find a slightly different expression. Matthew 20 and verse 28, even as the Son of Man, that is the Lord Jesus, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister or to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Why the difference between those two verses? The point is that 1 Timothy 2 is propitiation. Matthew is substitution. Propitiation is for all. It is for the whole world. Substitution is for those who come to Christ and are actually saved. How do we understand this? Propitiation, having been made on the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ, was an offering made by him to satisfy the righteous claims of a holy God. And if we turn over to 1 John chapter 2, where also the word propitiation is used, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And he, the Lord Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only. And it should read, but also, not for the sins of the whole world, but rather it should read simply for the whole world. It is important to see that the Lord Jesus himself, and not merely the work he did on Calvary's cross, but the whole person, the person of Christ, is the propitiation for our sins. Isn't that beautiful? That enables a gospel preacher to come out and say to anyone in this world, no matter who they may be, Christ died for you. Now, that doesn't mean that individual is necessarily going to be saved, but Christ died for him, and now God's righteous claims against sin have been totally satisfied by the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. That gives God, shall we say, the righteous ability that is, on the basis of God's claims having been met, God can now come out and say, whosoever will may come. He is now a savior God. Now, we'll talk about substitution in another talk in more detail, but that shows us that propitiation is toward God.
substitution is toward man. Do you have any comment on that, uh, Josh, or so far? Anything to add to that? Yeah, I think that's very nicely put. And really, it's, a, it's an astounding truth to lay hold of, that the work of Christ is so great that there is this aspect that goes beyond the sins of of believers to encompass all and in i was thinking about hebrews 2 and verse 9 where it talks about the death of the lord jesus it says crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of god should taste death for everything so there's an aspect of his death that that's universal in its effect and that is a that is an amazing thing when we consider that God is so satisfied, I think you used the word uh, appeased or placated. He is propitiated such that his heart is free to go out to whosoever will. And the door is open to whosoever will. And that's a that's a separate thing from, from substitution. But it's still an amazing thing when we consider how God has not only been satisfied, but glorified. God's nature and all that he is as light and love has been perfectly satisfied and glorified with the, the work that his son did on that cross. Amen. And just to add one more thing, how do we really know for sure that God is totally satisfied with that work. And that is, we know it because God has raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heaven. If there was something wrong with that work, if there was something that did not complete it perfectly in God's sight, then God could not. We say it with all reverence have raised his son from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heaven. But now the Lord Jesus is up there and God, as it were, says, I am perfectly satisfied with that work. Hmm. We can tell a sinner who come who is listening to the gospel and then we can say now, if God is satisfied with it, can you have any argument or any question about it? Yeah, that's wonderful. The resurrection and glorification of Christ is God's amen to the work of Calvary. That's an amazing truth, isn't it? Amen. When propitiation is mentioned, so often it is the offering of himself. And you mentioned this already in Hebrews 9, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In 1 John 2, it was, he is the propitiation. In 1 John 4, it's, God has sent his son a propitiation for our sins. And in, in Romans 3, it's Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as a propitiation. So it's his whole person offered up to God as a satisfaction to God. And when we consider the Lord Jesus, who else could be that satisfaction? 
And, and we know he has completely satisfied God, and we have been brought into the results of that now. And one day, as you mentioned, the whole creation will enjoy the fruits of that work. Amen. And backing that up, we notice that verse in 1 Timothy 2 says, in verse 5, For there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And then it talks about his giving himself a ransom for all. So there's the one who came between God and man. He, on the one hand, propitiated God. And on the other hand, as we'll discuss in another time, he provided a substitute for man who deserved the full judgment of God for his sins. And so that mediator is there, as you say, in the person of the Son of God, has, if we could speak very reverently, has he filled that role to God's satisfaction? Yes, he has in both directions. And the result of that is that he's risen and seated at God's right hand. We don't want to make it complicated, but if any of you would like to turn, and we won't do it now, but in your own private meditation, turn to Leviticus chapter 16, and you will see there that on the Day of Atonement, there were two goats that were involved in the atonement made for the nation of Israel. One of those goats was killed. He was the sacrifice, if we could put it, toward God. The sins of the nation of Israel were represented in that one goat. He was sacrificed, his blood was shed. That, we might say, is propitiation. But then what about the people? Oh, we find there was another goat called the scapegoat. And there Moses laid his hands on the head of that scapegoat. And that scapegoat was then led out into the wilderness and was never seen again. That is substitution. We will talk a little bit more about that when we come to substitution. And so that is what we mean by propitiation. Again, we say it is a big word. It is only used several times in the New Testament, but the truth of it runs throughout the word of God. Because once again, and just to repeat ourselves, God's holy nature must be propitiated. It must be satisfied by a sacrifice. To see that again, turn to Hebrews chapter 9. One more time, one more verse. Now it says there, Though Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Now that is substitution. There are many who will be saved, but not everyone, not everyone. But then go a little further back in Hebrews 9, 
And in verse 26, it says, middle of the verse, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away everyone's sins? No, put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Through that propitiation, that sacrifice, eventually, and this will not take place until right after the millennium in what is called the eternal state, sin will be removed from this entire universe through the finished work of Christ. Sin will never be allowed to raise its ugly head again. Does that mean everyone will go to heaven? No, it does not. Only those who have accepted Christ as their Savior will enjoy what we call substitution. But propitiation is there for everyone. Everyone may come. And that is why the verse John 3.16 exists. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The word of God there says, whosoever, that implies everyone in this whole world. How can this be? Because propitiation has made it possible. So let us understand this, because it is a wrong thought to think that Christ, when he died, suffered the penalty for the sins of everyone in the world. It's quite right to say to an unbeliever, Christ died for you, and you may come and be saved. It is not right to say, Christ bore the sins of the whole world. Think about it for a moment. If that were true, God would not be just. He would rather be unrighteous in putting anyone in hell if the penalty for their sins had been borne on the cross. No, the sins of all were not laid on the Lord Jesus, but the sin of the world in an abstract sense was laid on him in the sense of providing a ransom, as 1 Timothy 2 tells us, for all. And that's why we can preach the gospel to everyone, saying all may come. I, would, you, would you care to comment on the expression limited atonement? I think that what we've talked about today really answers that whole issue but would you care to comment on the expression limited atonement well you refresh my memory josh what do the calvinists teach in that term limited atonement you know they emphasize the fact that atonement is not for all that it's only limited to the elect anyways i was just thinking about how when you were talking about propitiation how there's an aspect of it, of course, that is limited to the believer, but then there's an aspect that is not limited. So they they narrowly focus on one aspect of uh, of atonement, and they say, "Well, atonement is limited." But I think you, as you brought out, it's it's not the case. 
of course, that brings in the whole question, doesn't it, of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And that is a subject which is unable to be reconciled in the mind of man. And those who try to reconcile it in their own minds always fall into error. And without wanting to point the finger, Calvinism takes the election or the choosing of God, and there is such a thing as choosing, predestination, election on God's side. They take that to an extreme. There's no such thing, really. Limited atonement is a misnomer because, as we already pointed out, atonement simply means to cover reconciliation and propitiation and also the entire work of christ shows us that god did a work whereby sin is totally put away but to use the term limited atonement takes as you have pointed out a very one-sided view of the work of Christ, because on the other hand, propitiation is for all. And so there is no such thing as anyone being excluded. The fact is that God's invitation goes out to all. Join us next time on the Bible Truth Podcast, where we will take up substitution, the second aspect of Christ's work on the cross. If you have any questions, please email us at info at